President of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay. I'm delighted to have Shantae Coleman, the director of the Choose Clean Water Coalition. We'll tell you a little bit more about what that is here with us at CBF's headquarters, the Philip Merrill Environmental Center. Shantae, welcome. Thank you. So Shantae, tell us a little bit about the Clean Water Coalition. Sure. So we have about 240 partners all across the Chesapeake Bay watershed. They're nonprofit partners, um, all interested in returning clean water to the rivers and streams that flow into the Chesapeake. Um, we were started, founded in about 2009, so since the beginning of the TMDL, and we were really founded on the premise of um, bringing more of the local stories to Capitol Hill to lobby for the Chesapeake Bay. You just mentioned the TMDL, what CBF <laughs> calls the Clean Water uh, Blueprint. And we're actually here today, we just did a press conference uh, because the blueprint is at its midpoint, 2016, halfway Correct. to the deadline of 2025. Right. So by the time our listeners hear this, uh, they may have seen some press on that. We appreciate your being here. Shantae, I'm always interested in what people have done before they start working on the Bay. What, what's your background? So good question. Um, I'm from very far away from here, San Diego, California. Grew up going to the beach and scuba diving and just living in 72 and sunny most days of my life. Um, and then I went to undergraduate at Princeton in New Jersey, so you can imagine the weather changed a bit and it was snowing and very cold. And, but I stuck it up for four years and then I moved back to San Diego for law school. And I studied environmental law at California Western. And I loved it. In fact, my first job, so I studied abroad the first semester because I didn't really want to get a job right away. So I went to Chile and lived in Santiago for a while. And then I came back and there's a lot of pressure in law school to get jobs, so I had to get a job. And I'm just going through like the career services website and it all looked kind of boring, like a firm here and work for this judge, do this thing. And then I saw San Diego Coast Keeper and they're the waterkeeping organization for San Diego. And it's like, come protect like the lobsters and like work on marine protected areas. Get out of town. I, like, I should have known that. that you were the coast awesome. keeper? Yeah, I was that coast keeper. Yep, I was there. They couldn't get rid of me actually. I, I interned there for like three, three semesters in law school. Um, and so that's how I got my interest in sort of water protection and conservation. And then my boss there actually took the job at the coalition, Jill Heaps, who I think you probably know Jill. And then she hired me right out of law school to, I pa passed the bar in California and then I moved to Annapolis. Then you had to take the bar again? I, did, I didn't have to take the bar again. I don't think I ever will because I'm still scarred for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, talk a little bit about some of the things the coalition has achieved, some of the things you're working on, the, na the annual conference which, which just took place a little while ago in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. Give us a give us a flavor for the coalition. Sure, yeah. So annually we do a conference. Um, we move around the watershed. So this year is in Lancaster. Last week actually, um, I was on vacation right after that because planning a conference isn't easy. Um, the year before that it was in Charlottesville. The year before that it was in Annapolis. And it's really an opportunity to get all of our coalition members together under one roof and learn about what's happening in the watershed, get an update on the blueprint, um, share best practices, and really just spend some time networking and hanging out. I think it's important. We work so hard at nonprofits. It's important for us to have some time to relax and just, you know, get to know one another. And so that's really an opportunity to do that. One of the things I've been impressed by the coalition is you've really taken on the need to expand the diversity 
of environmental uh, outreach and organizations and the whole network. Maybe talk a little bit about what you've achieved there and what, what are some of the challenges. Sure, I'd be happy to. So the Green 2.0 report, if you haven't heard of it, if you're listening to this, look up Green 2.0. They published a report a couple years ago that environmental organizations don't reflect um, the populations that we serve in terms of our race and ethnicity. Um, we hover around like 12 to 13 percent, where a much larger number than that are actually people of color, people from diverse backgrounds, um, particularly here in the Chesapeake. And so our members were coming to us. One of the things we do is capacity building. Our members were coming to us asking us, you know, we see, we've seen this report. How do we diversify our staff? How do we diversify our board? How do we diversify and attract more volunteers? Um, and so we decided to try to help. The first thing that we did was create a diversity toolkit, and it was like pretty bare bones. We weren't really sure what we were doing back then, but we've updated it, and now we're providing um, equity resources to our members on a quarterly basis. We have an equity work group that meets once a month, and we have a really strong focus on improving diversity, equity, and inclusion um, at our conference. And one of the most exciting projects that we're working on right now is with the Chesapeake Bay Funders Network, which is a network of funders who fund a lot of our nonprofit organizations. They're also interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so the coalition is working with them and the Chesapeake Bay Trust. We released a survey to all of our members and all of the funders to sort of assess where people are and how they perceive they're working on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And where are the challenges and where are the opportunities? And we're going to take that information and we're going to build some recommendations and actually have a diversity, equity, and inclusion plan for our watershed. And so the Chesapeake Bay Foundation is going to benefit from that because we're going to start implementing some really great trainings and workshops that are going to meet us where we are in the Chesapeake in terms of DEI or diversity, equity, inclusion. Yeah, we certainly uh, know the challenges of which you talk and as a member of the coalition ourselves we have benefited from the work you've done and want to continue to do everything we can uh, working with you to try and improve uh, DEI you know, in our environmental community across the Bay Watershed. Uh, give the um, listeners uh, uh, some thought, some examples of your members. You, you have members who are all over the watershed, mm -hmm. some very small, yep. probably exclusively volunteer, yes. to some that are larger. I don't want you to get you in trouble with all the ones you don't mention, but maybe <laughs> Which you'll is what call is out gonna a happen. <laughs> well, just, so just blame it on me. I don't know if you've heard of this one group, but they're called the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, and they are <laughs> part of our coalition, and they're fairly large. Um, so regional groups, we have national groups like um, the Natural Resources Defense Council and the National Parks Conservation Association. We have regional groups like the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, Waterkeepers Chesapeake, and then we have some hyper-local watershed groups like St. Mary's River Watershed association or savage river watershed in western maryland and so we really run the gamut with the size of our members and so it's interesting because we really have to tailor our coalition approach to our members so what do each of our members need in terms of capacity we have an incredible communications manager her name is kristen riley and she just provides so much communications expertise for our members who don't have in-house social media who don't know how to build their lists, who don't have a, a constituent management database. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> right, got it. Um, and so that's one service that we can provide. But a challenge that goes along with having a lot of different members in a lot of different places, we're in all six states, six base states plus DC, is that 
our members can disagree on things and want to take different approaches on different issues. Um, so, you know, some hot button issues right now are nutrient trading, for example. Um, some of our members are very supportive of nutrient trading and interstate trading, and some of our members are completely opposed to it. And so as coalition staff, we have to navigate that and figure out the best approach, um, and it's usually somewhere in the middle. Which also means we can't engage on all of the issues that maybe sometimes me as a director would like to engage <laughs> on. I have to say, you know, I'm, I have to step out of this one. Well, talk a little bit more about that, because I guess the concern with a big coalition is that policies and um, directives and directions and things like that could devolve to the lowest common denominator. Maybe give a few examples or talk a little bit more. Sure. Yeah, so it never really evolves to the lowest common denominator. We can't do that. But one way that we're able to allow our members to speak on a certain issue, even if we don't ask the coalition to endorse it, um, the perfect example is the Maryland fracking ban. Um, our steering committee chose not to endorse that. A few organizations on our steering committee don't actually engage on the fracking issue at all. But our shale work group, we have a shale and pipelines work group, they were really interested in engaging on it. So they drafted a sign-on letter with our Shoes Clean Water letterhead on it. And then it said the undersigned members of the Shoes Clean Water Coalition listed, I don't know, 35 members, and they were able to say, we don't stand for fracking, even though we as the coalition weren't allowed to say that the coalition doesn't stand for fracking. You know, one of the things that seems to me that's the most beneficial of these coalitions is what members can learn from each other. And um, I, I know that you have some who are expert in some areas, some who are expert in others, those who have... Um, uh, delved into one specific part of environmental mm -hmm. advocacy and others that have done other things from you know, education to litigation. That must be a challenge to maximize the value of the interaction between the member groups but also a great sense of, um, of satisfaction and excitement. Absolutely. I thought you were going to say that must be a beautiful thing because <laughs> it means that we on our staff don't always have to be experts in everything. We, we have several different policy priorities. We work on the TMDL. We work on stormwater. We work on shale and pipelines. We work on equity. We, we do a lot. And we have three full-time staff members plus a contractor who likes to think he's a staff member, but he's just a contractor. Um, and so we're able to, for example, Beth McGee, who works for you, she's amazing in ag and science, and she gets all that stuff. And she comes onto our TMDL work group, and she helps facilitate our dialogue and explains a lot of things to our members who um, don't exactly have the expertise that she has. And so I consider that a huge benefit to a coalition. And I don't really see a big downside other than the one we talked about before where people don't always get along. Yeah, it's and by get along, I mean agree or, you know, it, it, they don't always agree on, right. on different issues. It's always a tough question for me when I get this, so I'm delighted to have a chance to ask somebody else this. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you see, what do you see when you look out five years for the coalition? Oh, that's a good question. What do I see? Well, we keep growing. That's one. When I started at the coalition three years ago, I started as the field manager and I'm the director. Um, we had about 150 members and now we're right above 240 members. Um, so I see growth there. I also see us working on more policy priorities. Um, we just adopted a new strategic plan, which is really exciting. One big piece of that is capacity building for our members. And so we're going to start 
providing technical assistance like we are doing around diversity, equity, inclusion. We're going to provide communication support. And we're even looking at opportunities to provide like development support or helping our members do some of their fundraising. I mean, I think there's a whole host of things that we could level up to provide the community to help us all achieve our clean water goals. And that's where I see us going in the next five years. That sounds ambitious and highly <laughs> appropriate and, and very good. So Shantae, as we wind down, um, another tough question because we all have so many priorities, but what's the biggest priority in the coming year or 18 months or top two? You can okay. one or two or three, whatever you like. Okay, top one, uh, we're going to hire more staff. <laughs> no, but the big the big top one is we play a really interesting role along, along with the Bay Foundation of being able to take our members to Federal Hill and lobby for money for the Chesapeake Bay program and keep this cleanup going. And so that is our number one priority next year. And in fact, um, some of our congressional delegation are now requesting $90 million instead of $73 million. And so we're going to be supporting them in that ask um, in our appropriations request next year. So that's our big that's our big go you know it, it always does come down to money doesn't it in in many respects um the federal farm bill which mm -hmm. is reauthorized every five years is up for reauthorization this year or whenever congress can get around to actually working on it they, right. they've started that's huge for the chesapeake bay it really is one of the most important funding sources for Absolutely. reducing agricultural pollution yeah, and we're, we have really good relationships in Congress, and we're really lucky to be working with our Senate delegation on the Senate version of the Farm Bill that will increase funding for conservation practices in the Chesapeake. Senator Casey from Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. Senator Van Hollen from Maryland, both have introduced very good, strong amendments to that bill. And Cardin as well. And, and Senator Cardin, right. and we know that Senator Warner and, and Senator Kane from Virginia are, are very much active and involved with and supportive of those. Well, Shantae, thank you so much for being here. I know that you would love to have more members, more <laughs> member organizations, so tell people how they can access your website, uh, how, what they should do if they're, in, if they're a part of a group and would like to be a member of the Chesapeake Clean Water Coalition. We would love to get more member organizations into our coalition. So if you're part of a nonprofit group and you're interested in joining or even finding out more information, you can visit us at choosecleanwater.org. We have an info box on there. You can um, put in some information and we'll make sure to get back to you in a very timely manner. Well, thank you, Shantae. And I, I keep saying Chesapeake Clean Water Coalition. It's Choose Clean Water Coalition. Well, there's something behind that. I know. <laughs> because we have members in all of the states, and, and not everyone resonates with Chesapeake, but people resonate with their local rivers and streams. So I couldn't agree When we're working with, with Delaware and New York and West Virginia, Chesapeake doesn't mean a lot to them. And I love the, 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 the word choose because it puts it on the person who's listening to, to choose clean water. It's a very active uh, way of describing what you all do. So. Yes, and we encourage everyone to choose clean water. Right on. You got the last word. <laughs> Thanks, Will. <laughs> <laughs> For Will Baker and Shantae Coleman, our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay, every two weeks online at cbf.org. Thanks, Shantae. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.